Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, guys? We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining me today. This is the Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. I'm Matt Vizana. Hope you guys are having a nice week so far. So Halloween is on Saturday, in case you're wondering, which I'm you know, sure you could care less, but no, I do not have a costume. Well, that's not entirely true, I guess. I'll probably dust off my old standby if I get in a pinch. Old Hollywood Hogan. If you don't know, and you disgust me if you don't, Hollywood Hogan is Hulk Hogan when he was in the NWO. I found absolute perfection with this costume. So, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Why would I ever change it? It's like, you know, like ordering something off a menu that you know is good. You get it every time you go to the restaurant. It's a safe pick. Then you decide to get a little crazy and change it for whatever reason, what happens? You get disappointed because it's not as good as the original. That's my Hulk Hogan costume. Don't fuck with perfection. But we're going to Myrtle Beach. So decided not to do the whole trick-or-treating thing. There's a pandemic going on, so we're trying to avoid that. But it should be fun going with another family. And, um, you know, so I don't really need a costume. But just in case, I will bring the Hulkster with me. Anyway, to start things off... Some bad news came out of Ashburn yesterday when it was confirmed that safety Landon Collins tore his Achilles tendon and will be out for the rest of the year. Collins will be going in for surgery on Monday. The team promoted safety Jeremy Reeves from the practice squad. Something interesting here, apparently Eric Reed, who played for Rivera in Carolina, was offered a practice squad spot. So this is kind of interesting here. Rivera said this to reporters in September regarding Eric Reed, quote, We're in a fortunate position where we have Landon Collins. A guy like Eric Reed wouldn't fit us here. But if we didn't, believe me, I'd call him. I think he's a guy that has the ability to play in this league. Hopefully, if somebody needs a strong safety, he's a guy that they would call. End quote. (sighs) Okay, so practice squad? Really? This guy had career highs in Carolina last year. Listen to this. 130 tackles, 97 solo, 7 tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and 4 sacks. Also, which I think is probably the most important stat, he had the second best rush win rate of any safety in the league at 32%. You can't use a guy like that. He needs to be on the practice squad. (laughs) And you really offered that to him. It's unbelievable. If you didn't have Collins, really? Okay. So we know Collins is gone. That goes without saying. But let's compare for a moment. In seven starts before his injury, 
Collins had 41 tackles, 24 solo, two sacks, an interception, and a forced fumble. That big one against Dallas, of course, that really kind of changed the game. And of course, in typical Washington fashion, you know, a guy who is showing nothing does something great and then gets hurt immediately after that. But what else is new? He was criticized for the plays he didn't make. So, you know, back to that, though, it was in his, those were his seven starts this year. But according to Pro Football Focus, Collins missed 10 tackles, and those are well-documented, right? I mean, we saw over and over again the poor angles, the horrible tackling, and a guy who gets paid that kind of money, there's no excuse, and a guy that's that that big, that fast, that's supposed to be a leader on the defense, not showing the greatest leadership qualities there. But if Collins played the entire season, he was projected to have 93 tackles, four and a half sacks, but... (laughs) This is uh, my projection on this. Just doing simple mathematics, 23 missed tackles, and I wouldn't put it past him. He didn't seem to be getting any better. Uh, Now, going back to Eric Reed, he played in a horrible run defense with Carolina in 2019. You never want your safe to be the top tackler on the team. Also, he is, in all fairness, a liability in coverage, but has anyone watched Collins in coverage since the last two years? Not pretty, right? So, you know, when your secondary's tackles aren't over 100, it usually means your front seven is at least being serviceable. So that's a good sign. You know, he was projected, Collins, I mean, projected to hit 93 tackles, which is lower than what he had last year. So, you know, we know that the front seven has definitely been upgraded, maybe not necessarily the linebackers. Cole Holcomb was kind of a revelation. Not sure why he wasn't in at the beginning. I know he was injured, but not the first game. But really, I mean, what a, what a slap in the face to read a practice squad player. I mean, I know that the practice squad is different this year. Don't get me wrong. It is a, it's extended the amount of players that you can have. You can also have veterans. Obviously, that's why he was offered the position there. But I mean, come on, Rivera. You signed Reed to a three-year, $22 million deal last September, $10 million guaranteed. And the guy, he's only 29 years old. He's hitting his stride. He's hitting his prime. And, and I know that he's, again, a liability in pass coverage, but what strong safety isn't? There's very few that aren't. So Cameron Curl, I know they like him, I guess, but are we really going to put all of our eggs in, in that guy's basket? I mean, that that's very concerning to me. And when you have a guy that's played uh, seven, eight years, whatever Reed's played, I mean, I think he's at the very least worth bringing in outside of the practice squad. I think he deserves a 53-man roster spot. You're really thin there now, especially before. I wasn't happy with Collins' play at all, but at the same time, you're talking about a seventh round pick rookie. That's very, very concerning to me. And um, you know, going to the guys that they have, you're going to go back to Troy Apke. I mean, he he can't play strong safety. DeShazer Everett has played serviceable. I think there's definitely been a big bump since he's been back, since he's actually taken over for Apke. But we're talking strong safety. I don't know. I mean, they're, the cupboard's kind of bare right now. And if you're going to be leaning on Cameron Curl, could be detrimental to this defense. You know, so again, mixed messages by Rivera. Are we going to win the division? Are we developing players? I know you can do both at the same time, but when you have a very good player that you've coached before, Rivera, maybe it's in the best interest of the team to at least give him a shot. And to bring up Jeremy Reeves from the practice squad, that's fine. Sure, but you have a proven entity that was willing to come to the team, and probably not anymore. He was basically just said to go fuck himself on the practice squad. He's got to work his way up, you know. Good old Rivera, you know. Ah, 
come on, man. Think about the future. Think about the present. And you can do both by bringing him in. The guy's 29 years old. You said yourself that you, if you didn't have Collins, you would bring him in and, and any team would be lucky to have him. So just do it. Look, I mean, Reed isn't a world beater, but there's no doubt in my mind he can put up at the very least the same production as Collins. Not saying that's hard. But sticking with Washington football, I was scrounging through some stats. I'm a, kind of a stats guy, I guess. But uh, as crazy as it is, after seven games... I don't know if you know this or not, but Washington's defense is ranked fourth in the league based on average yards per game at 309, 11th in points per game with 23.6. Those don't match up, but I mean, 11th is not bad. 23.6 points per game is pretty good. The big thing that I saw, though, the thing that really stuck out is that they're ranked first in passing yards per game, giving up only 186 per game. And to put things in perspective, the closest team are the Colts, and they're about 200 a game. Now, you're talking a 14-yard difference. That's a massive gap in the NFL. So no one's even really close. Now, we can have all these reasons why they're where they are, but I think that it has a lot to do with that. Maybe they're kind of figuring shit out. You know, They are a team that, in my opinion, doesn't really pass the eye test when it comes to this, but you know, I'm actually pleasantly surprised at this. When it comes to uh, average yards per game, eh, that can be skewed in a million different ways, right? But at the same time, we're talking about a team that you know has played some pretty difficult opponents. If you really think about it, the first four or five weeks, obviously, it's dropped off with the Giants and the Cowboys, which you know kind of helped them in their standings, stats, I should say. But I really think that it wouldn't be that impressive if Washington had a good offense. Or, you know, they were getting a ton of takeaways, but they're in the middle of the pack with nine. They're, you know, 15, 16, something like that. So, you know, a team that gets a ton of takeaways, right, you would assume would have less yards given up. Or if a team has a really good offense, it stays on the field and holds the ball and, you know, when there's uh, time for possession is heavily in their favor, that's going to help out your defense as well. But then let's, let's not forget the first five games were not very good when it came to time of possession. The offense was not moving on a consistent basis. And this might sound like I'm kind of giving some some props to old Kyle Allen, but I guess I kind of am. I mean, in the last two games, they've pretty much dominated in time of possession. And, and that speaks to Kyle Allen hitting those third downs, uh, running for third downs, you know, doing things that are necessary to extend drives, which in all fairness, I've been a Dwayne Haskins guy and think that he got a raw deal. But at the same time, I mean, it is what it is. It's stats or stats, and that's the reality. He was horrible, absolutely horrendous on third down. So we've seen a huge jump with Kyle Allen, and that's what you can ask for a quarterback like him and who's really kind of a game manager. Um, again, if he doesn't, we've talked about it before, if he doesn't screw things up. Um, and now that you have a defense, is it for real? Uh, I mean, I guess. It's not like they've played crappy teams outside the last two. And let's be honest as well, the Cowboys were carving people up. Even, well, Andy Dalton didn't do great the game before, but I'm saying that they've got a ton of weapons. And yes, their offensive line was beat up considerably, but they did what they had to do when they went in there. So I just think that even if Kyle Allen isn't technically as talented as Dwayne Haskins, he knows the offense the offense looked like a real offense last week, um, throwing the ball deep. And again, they were playing a lifeless Cowboys defense and offense for that matter. But 
hey, maybe it's something that we can kind of hang our hat on and move on to the bye week. But, you know, like I said, this defense, it just doesn't really pass the eye test, but apparently they're doing something right. The defense in all likelihood is going to move up even more so in the next four games after the bye. I mean, let's look at the next four games. So we go off quarters, right? Is that That's what coaches do. So you've got the Giants, who they held a 240 total yards in the last game. Daniel Jones threw for 112 effing yards in that game. Okay, so that's disgusting. And they still, still lost that game, which they shouldn't have, of course. Uh, that one's going to haunt me. It's going to haunt the team for the rest of the season. I mean, what an opportunity. But, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. But then you have Detroit who's 22nd in the league in total offense. They're 354 yards a game. Now, again, those are skewed stats, but at the same time, they're a very beatable team. They're 3-3 three and three now, so they're not terrible. Probably the most likely loss of the of the four, but definitely a beatable team. But you know, I really do like Matthew Stafford. I, I think he kind of always gets a raw deal with the team that's around him. And huh, he seems to kind of feast on Washington. But you know, this defense is a little different this year, maybe. We'll see. Then you have the Bengals, who are just awful, but they are ranked 19th in offense. But again, skewed stats. They only score 23 points a game. If you can't score 25 points in the Bengals' defense, we've got a serious problem here. But then again, Washington only scored, what, 25 against the Cowboys' defense? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But then you come back to Dallas, speaking of which, and we saw what happened there. But I would never, ever dare chalk up a victory on that one. It's the Cowboys. You never know what the hell is going to happen. You know, they could, Dak could have a miraculous recovery. No, he won't do that. But, you know, who knows? Uh, Everything and anything happens with Washington and Dallas games. I can't say Redskins and Cowboys. It eats me up inside. But I just um, would never chalk it up. Shit, I'd never chalk up any of these games (laughs) with this team. Who the hell knows what they're going to do? But, I'm just saying it's a stretch where this team can create a little distance potentially until Murderer's Row comes, but we will get into that at a later date. You know, maybe old Riverboat's on to something here, right? Maybe he is. I don't know. Um, you know, he made the the change at quarterback. He saw the future schedule and he said, you know, we can we can make some noise. Something a coach should never say. I don't think I've ever heard a coach say that before, but give the guy a break. I mean, he has been through a lot and not really thinking clearly as we have come to realize. So I think if they go three and one in that stretch, truthfully, they'll probably win the East of how shitty this division is. Let's be honest, it's not going to take much. And this team seems to be on the upper trajectory, uh, I guess. <laughs> I like to think they are. Or they just played a Cowboys team who you know despises their coach and are in such turmoil that they played them at the right time. I mean, if we're all being honest here, probably a little from column A, a little from column B. So TBD, Uh, this team, this team. But I'm thinking that it's more from column A. I think that they are kind of getting it. Jonathan Allen was saying that they've they've practiced better the last two weeks than they have all season. And I trust what that guy says. I think that he's a straight shooter. He does not fuck around. He kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve. And he's definitely said we're practicing like shit. And if he's saying that they're practicing hard and they're practicing discipline, and if they're practicing with a goal in mind, maybe, I don't know what that goal is, but hey, 
there's no better guy that you can lean on for a real take on how his team is. So anyway, we will see. We're going to the bye, get a little R&R here and uh, move on to the old Giants. Speaking of moving on, final thing here, I want to talk about uh, a little Maryland basketball. So if anyone remembers, there was actually a college basketball season in 2020. Because of COVID, they canceled the NCAA tournament. So, you know, no one really gave a shit, but it did happen. It did happen, I swear. Something you might not remember is that the Terps actually won a share of the Big Ten Championship along with Michigan State and Wisconsin. Well, great. So it comes out yesterday that Maryland got their championship rings that were personalized with names of the players, coaches, staff, graduate assistants, and student managers. Student managers. Okay. So that's 45 people in total. This cost the school a total of almost $12,000. That's $265 a ring. The Maryland Athletic Department said that they got the money through a, quote, external revenue or fundraised money and sponsorships is what they are trying to say. It's like laundered money, I guess. I don't really know. I love how um, they just throw out their oh, yeah, exter- external revenue or fundraised money. Look, $12,000 isn't a ton of money in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about colleges and pro teams. I mean, I'm sure that the Super Bowl rings are at least 12000 each ring, but that's not the point here. Seriously, guys, though, we're in a goddamn pandemic and all these schools are crying broke. I mean, shit, the MLB just laid off hundreds of employees, for God's sakes. And that's the MLB. I don't understand the logic behind it. And you didn't win anything. You didn't even win anything. You shared this bullshit championship with two other schools. Okay? It's a joke. Sorry, Terps fans. It's a joke. Maryland and Turgeon, uh, but Turgeon, who's a huge fucking loser, (laughs) let's be honest, is so desperate to show everyone that they're a legitimate program that they needed to do this. It's it's embarrassing. Let's be honest. It's fucking embarrassing. I scoured the internet to see if Michigan State gave their team rings. And, you know, of course they didn't. Why? They win. They win all the time. In basketball, at least, right? So I have no doubt in my mind that they think at Michigan State, I mean, they think a three-way tie for any kind of championship is a joke because it is. It, it is. Uh, it makes you look like a total loser to even recognize it other than a bullshit lost season that doesn't mean jack shit. It's an embarrassment. You remember when like the Wizards, you might, I don't know how many people remember this or how many people love talking about the Wizards, but when they made second round t-shirts in 2005, then promptly got swept by the heat in the second round, mind you, <laughs> it's shit that losers do. And all you're doing is shining a light on your ineptitude. That's all you're doing. Maryland won 20 fucking years ago, and they've been pretty, especially under Turgeon, his regular seasons, I mean, his his NCAA tournaments are of legend at this point. But nice job, Turgeon. You, you won something. So promote the shit out of it. Is he going to uh, recruits' houses and saying, or doing Zoom calls with recruits, whatever the hell they're doing these days? I'm like, hey, man, look... <laughs> We won the Big Ten. Yeah, we did. Come to Maryland. Did you win the Big Ten? Uh, what about uh, Michigan State and Wisconsin? Did they win? Oh, well, yeah, they they won too. But you know, but we won. 
This is like a participation award. Come on, guys. Act like you've been there before because I know, Turgeon, you haven't, but act like you've been there before. Maryland has. Have some self-respect for the love of God. I'll tell you what, though. Turgeon had to be the happiest guy on campus when he heard about the tournament was being canceled. We all know how that little storybook would have ended. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Again, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook group, and our website, BeltwaySportsBros.com. Little program note, I'm going to be off on Friday. Going on a little Halloween getaway for the weekend. So I hope you guys have a safe and healthy Halloween weekend, and I will see you Monday.